Welcome to Chapter 7, Pricing the Priceless. To help focus this show, I'm going to start off with a couple quotes this time. Our first quote is by James Hilton. James is an English novelist who graced our timeline from 1900 to 1954. Hilton's quote is, Surely there comes a time when counting the cost and paying the price aren't things to think about anymore. Let me repeat that. Surely there comes a time when counting the cost and paying the price aren't things to think about anymore. All that matters is value, the ultimate value of what one does. That was Mr. Hilton. Now, to offer a different perspective on the concept of price, I also have a quote by an ancient Roman orator and statesman reported to live between 106 B.C. and 43 B.C. This this statesman was known as Marcus Julius Cicero. You might have heard of Cicero. Cicero states, There is no duty more obligatory than the repayment of kindness. Think about that. There is no duty more obligatory than the repayment of kindness. Hmm. I selected these quotes to open chapter six and this show because it's absolutely important we begin to understand how the concept of price and how we make payments plays a key role in our ability to understand not only our own worth, but the worth of anyone else. Uncovering these differences is exactly what we do in Chapter 7, known as Pricing the Priceless. Now, if you recall, in our last show, we discussed the many different meanings of the word or concept known as pay. Now, here's a little memory jogger or heads up, depending on if you listen to the show or not. (laughs) We talked about when we, we pay attention to someone or something. That's one way we pay things. We pay attention. We pay dearly. <laughs> we pay dearly if we overexercise or overexert ourselves. For the f- When was the last time you really did a bunch of house cleaning and you woke up the next day and went, oh, ouch. Well, you kind of paid for yesterday's overexertion. Or maybe you woke up and went, oh my God, what did I eat last night? We pay for it when we stuff ourselves silly, don't we? So that's many different ways that we pay for things or when we use the word pay. Thus, the word pay in the phrase, you get what you pay for, really takes on a variety of meanings. So let's take the discussion a little bit deeper because it's important to figure this out. To further our discussion on the concept of pay, we're going to turn to the word payment. Now, I know it might sound like I'm splitting hairs here. Do these two words mean the same thing to you? Hmm, let's find out. Here's a way, a few ways to think about things. I'm going to give you three different ways to think about things. First, how many ways do you place a value on something? When you think of something pricing the priceless, how do you put the value on something? Is value in the form of time, money, health, reputation? Are you aware how you come to value things the way you do? Most people don't. 
If you are aware, how so? If not, you might plan to review your belief system on how you determine what is and is not of value. It's kind of an eye-opener when you do. That's what I do in my private practice with people known as soul dancing. Next, number two. What's the most priceless item you can think of? Absolutely priceless. How did this item become so priceless? Really, when you think about it, how has it become so priceless to you? How do you honor it? What would you do? What would happen if you lost this item? Number three, as we try to decipher between the term pay and payment, how often do you reschedule personal or social engagements? Because something work-related comes up. Hmm. Are you aware that while your payment in time or devotion towards your job might not cover the cost of how one feels about your decision to trade time for money? Think about that. Pay and payment. Two radically different words when you stop to really think about them. And it's key for you to understand the difference. That's what chapter seven is all about. It will help you learn more quickly how to be paid what you're worth every single day, every single hour. So let's jump back for a moment. You know, you hear, oh, it's priceless. What are priceless items or moments, I wonder? What is priceless? The first things that come to my mind really are, well, being born, loving someone, or being loved by someone. I think breathing, seeing, hearing, touching, tasting are all priceless. No amount of money can restore eyesight at this stage of the game. Experiencing a blissful or sacred moment. While money might have helped you experience that blissful or sacred moment, there's really no way you could put a price on it. Learning something new about yourself based on all sorts of hard work, I think, is priceless. That's one of the core concepts of Pay Me What I'm Worth. You're going to learn so much about yourself. All are priceless. Well, I'm going to play with you now. Are they? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that's priceless. I think everything does have a price. I say that there is a price for everything. Is there? (laughs) This chapter explores how we come to honor even those items we know to be priceless by step-by-step exercises. Step-by-step, with our time and money and related resources, we discover that everything does have a cost. Have you ever decided, for example, that business needs are more important than the needs of someone you love? Think about that. Cost you dearly, I have no doubts, if you've ever put business over your personal needs. When you did, what was the price you paid for making the decision of spending more time at work versus with someone you love? What was really the cost? Was it really worth it? Or did you lose something well beyond money? How many times have someone had to cancel that engagement with you because duty called? When they did, did you not feel 
pretty bad about it, like you're second rate. Even though if their excuse seems socially acceptable, quite frankly, their reputation drops a few points, I have no doubts. True, society places a value on living and being responsible enough to pay for those things we believe are most important to have in life. I understand that. What do you consider most important in life is the question. People or things? At what cost? Given all we face in a highly materialistic world, what's the cost to live comfortably? Stress? Illness? Fear? Your dreams? What payment are you going to make? Think about this. Listen closely. As dreams die, so does the dreamer. Think about that. As dreams die, so does the dreamer. As soon as a dream dies, what's the cost? How soon do we all pay in some way for just one lost dream? That's really something we're trying to tackle here in chapter 7. Pay Me What I'm Worth, in the book in its entirety, explores worth in more ways than just a penny, pound, or peso. Now, if you haven't already guessed, price also means things like time and health in all forms, body, mind, and spirit. There is also worth in relationships, reputation, perspective. Perspective as in, such as a sense of well-being and maybe the impact to our environment. If we think of price in these terms, there's really mind-boggling good news here. Listen up. Mind-boggling good news. This might require you to take a little leap of faith, so just bear with it for a moment. Try this out and see what you think. Listen up, pay close attention what we're about to share. It may just fundamentally change your world. Right now, this very second, believe it or not, <laughs> depending on how you choose, that's the key word, choose to be paid, you already receive what you're worth. Ooh. I'll repeat this. It's important. Right now, this very second, believe it or not, depending on how you choose to be paid, you already receive what you're worth. Ooh. If you doubt this. If you can't take this leap of faith for whatever reason, you've just discovered what may be significantly bad news. And before we go further, it's time to refresh your memory about the important aspect of good news and bad news. It's not necessarily the type of news that it is. It's what you choose to do with it. Bad news can be an opportunity. You've heard that before. Now, I already hear the choirs of doubt and debate warming up. They're warming up in full force. I hear all sorts of voices screaming, you know, I didn't choose to receive this or that. I didn't want to get this or that. Ugh. I kindly ask you to ponder these words. You choose to make and listen to such noise. When your choirs of doubt and debate start swelling up, you choose to make those choirs and you choose to listen to them. That may be a cold, hard pill to swallow, 
but it's true. You may also, conversely, choose to listen to the most powerful voice there is. And that powerful voice is your spirit, your soul. No matter what the news is, if you listen to your soul, it tells you exactly what you need to do next instantly. That's the basis of my soul dancing practice. Listen to your soul. Listen to your feelings. It is your intellect. It is your ego that creates those voices. So no matter what the news is, if you listen to your soul, it tells you exactly what you need to do next. Such magic happens only when you listen quietly. Quietly to two of the finest voices you're ever going to hear. <laughs> As your heart and your soul, the two voices, sing in harmony with your mind. Don't be surprised you hear a song of timeless beauty in the words of forgiveness and release. And we talked about forgiveness quite a bit in our last show, the show that covered chapter 6. Let me repeat that. As your heart and soul sing in harmony with your mind, don't be surprised to hear a song of timeless beauty in the words of forgiveness and release. This song is often frankly ignored until that one moment arrives where your soul makes a choice for you. Huh. When might that be, you wonder? Well, more often than not, when you're at a point where you genuinely say, ah, I give up. I just give up. Your soul breathes a sigh of release and says, great. For in that moment, you give up the debates, the doubts, and you finally listen to what your soul wants you to do. Hmm. What your soul hopes you'll do and what your mind has you doing, (laughs) well, it often lacks harmony. Such discord shows up in many different ways. If you experience, for example, unsatisfactory health, if you don't have enough money, you've just identified one or two of the discords between your mind and your soul. Well, that could be considered the bad news. Now back to the good news. (laughs) At least there is some good news. Some news is is often better than no news at all. Think about that. Some news is better than no news at all. At least bad news offers a starting point to wonder, hmm, I wonder how I might turn lemons into lemonade. More often than not, people choose to make bad news the only news they listen to or believe. Bad news, bad news, bad news. Why? Who's to say? I think part of it is it's true that misery does love company. At this point, I'd like to paraphrase, I think, what's a Buddhist principle. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Let me repeat that. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. How true that is. And we talked about pain in our last show, didn't we? We can experience pain in our life, but we choose whether or not we want to suffer and how long we suffer. 
And we choose whether we want other people to suffer by listening to our suffering. Think about that. When you allow yourself to learn from any pain, the lesson learned, listen up, is truly timeless. That's the difference. It's not priceless, it's timeless. When you allow yourself to learn from any pain, the lesson learned is timeless. It's unlikely you'll experience that lesson again. Think about that. Learning is a form of vaccinations. Once you've had a vaccination, it's unlikely you'll suffer that malady again, or at least we hope. Thus, suffering always has a price. How much you'll pay, or you'll make others pay, all depends on how quickly you decide to learn your lesson. Think awareness level, folks. Think awareness. If you always hurt yourself doing something, <laughs> might you very well choose to stop hurting yourself? If you always poke, your, you poke yourself in the eye with a spoon when you're drinking tea, might you want to take the spoon out of the cup? <laughs> <laughs> the exercise in chapter 7 titled Gratuity or Gratitude is your first exercise and it's going to guide you through some interesting steps to help you enjoy life with considerably less pain. The second exercise in chapter 7 called Ethical Timeless Guidelines provides some food for thought on the notion that nothing, absolutely nothing, is priceless. Timeless, maybe. Not priceless. Now, here's... How, how do we get to be paid what we're worth? Think about this. How do we pay others what they're worth? I have three guidelines to help you play with these concepts of being paid what you're worth all the time and paying what other people what they're worth all the time. Here are three guidelines. Guideline number one. Honestly, do the best with what you have in the moment. That's really all anyone should ask of you. And frankly, that's all you should ask of someone else. If you do not honestly do your best with what you have, you'll inspire to do less than their best with you. Think about that. What goes around comes around. Guideline number two, and this seems so simple, just ask. <laughs> just ask. Ask. If you don't know how or what to give someone, ask them. Ask them what you may give to genuinely show your gratitude. Ask them. And then follow guideline one. Do your best with what you have. If you don't know how to receive, and here's a key thing. If you don't know how to receive, ask only for what you may easily and gracefully receive. Because quite frankly, if you receive less than what you ask for, then you need to go back to, do, to guideline number one. And that's do the best with what you have in the moment. And the final guideline to always being paid what you're worth and paying others what you're worth, what they're worth, never assume what you wish to offer or maybe how you wish to offer it is what someone wants or how they want it. <laughs> You'll avoid this. You'll avoid assuming if you follow guideline number two, just ask. Always follow guideline number two and you'll need, you won't need guideline number three. So the guidelines again are guideline number one, honestly do the best with what you have in the moment. Two, just ask what you should give someone 
and three, never assume. For example, in here, if you tell me you're hungry, and I ask you what do you need and you need food, and I hand you a can of soup, I'm assuming I'm feeding you. If you don't have a can opener, that soup is really not something you can use. (laughs) So that was an example. Okay, let's have some fun. Time for a little bit of fun. If we play with the notion that anything we call priceless is worth some sort of gratitude, respect, or admiration, if we play with the notion that anything we call priceless is worth some sort of gratitude, respect, or admiration, then nothing is priceless. Absolutely nothing is priceless. Gratitude costs something. Respect costs something. Admiration costs something. Would it be more appropriate to say, then, that something is timeless more than priceless? Think about that. For example, building and earning respect, admiration, or trust requires time. It requires time. If you decide to pay, play with these ideas, ha, you just dove into the deep end of the awareness pool. Welcome in. I welcome you. In this chapter, chapter 7, I invite you to swim in the deeper end of the awareness pool. And don't worry, don't worry, there's a lifeguard on hand. You're going to be just fine. The lifeguard that I speak of comes in terms of the ground rules that we co-created at the very beginning of this book. If you haven't read them, reread the ground rules at the beginning of the book or listen to one of the first shows where we cover these ground rules. Consider these words, these ground rules, your ever-present lifeguard. (laughs) Okay. Now, in the first exercise of this chapter, you started dipping your toe into the awareness pool. Now let's have a hearty, really enjoyable swim in the deep end. Now allow yourself to rinse off your creativity a little bit as you swim around. And to do that, I invite you to put on your explorer's wetsuit. Put on the attitude of exploration. When you do, I also want you to instruct all the doubters and debaters swimming around in your head to get out of the pool. Get out of the pool. Doubters and debaters really have a difficult time with exploring. There's no room from them here while you're exploring. And you'll discover why there's no room from them here when you do the work in this chapter. So, we're beginning to run out of time for this show. Time to do a quick summary of Chapter 7, also known as Pricing the Priceless. The first and the last of these four items are the biggies. The first item, the first biggie item is, as we summarize this chapter... We are paid what we're worth in some form each and every day. That's a biggie. We are paid what we're worth in some form each and every day in the form of lessons. And we're going to talk about those in our next chapter. Our next summary item is gratuity is different than gratitude. As you did your exercises in chapter seven, you're going to find that there's a whopping difference between gratuity and gratitude just as there is a whopping difference between the word pay and payment. Summary item number three. What we call priceless, really, when you come to think of it, is actually maybe more timeless, because everything does have a cost in some way. And the last summary item, the real biggie. If we follow ethical, practical guidelines, and I covered those 
three guidelines earlier in the show. If we follow ethical, practical guidelines on giving and receiving, we're paid what we're worth on all levels, all the time. That's huge. Think about that. May you enjoy fully this day for all it's worth. Why? Because you're worth it. <laughs>